So last week I told you um, that we kind of have just this fun random sermon today. Uh, I'm preaching about angels. And uh, you can have other topics, faith, worship, you know, all these other structural um, uh, topics that, you know, there's a lot of theology behind them. There's a lot of um, definites. There's a lot of this equals this, and you can really lay out all this stuff. But when it comes to angels, angels are used a whole bunch throughout Scripture. But when you begin to study angels, there is not a X and O and an A and a B and a C. And if you're here today hoping that I'm going to explain to you everything about angels, you're going to be disappointed. And uh, what I'm really going to try to do in this sermon is just look at like how they worked, what they did, what they, God still wants them to do, and then how that applies to our life. And so if you're here wondering how tall they are, how much they weigh, what they look like, all this stuff, in the scripture, it, it gives you uh, hints of all of those different things. Uh, but for me to give you like, you know, a real layout, uh, I'm just going to let you know right off the top, we're not going to talk about them that way. But it's important for us, I believe, to talk about angels because the scripture mentions angels over 300 times. So 300 times is actually a lot. If you begin to look at it in comparison to tithing or when Jesus says use, his faith, use your faith or extend forgiveness, if you begin to look at over 300 times angels mentioned, uh, it becomes actually a really big, and you'll see in all the major stories, God uses angels to bring about what he wants to do on earth. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like. So who they are, what they've done, and what they still can do. I think before we can talk about angels, we all have to agree on this one scripture, and that is this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In order for us to say, hey, I believe in angels, or I believe, you need to believe that there's something happening in the unseen. How many agree? It wouldn't take very long, and I say this all the time, for me to put up some news articles and say, this happened this week, and this happened, and you would look at that and you would go, that's not just a series of misunfortunate events. Or, you, know, you would look at it and you'd be like, that's evil. That's evil. There's, there's something behind that that's happening. And so to, to, to understand angels and their purpose and their function, we first need to understand that there's more than what we see. The everyday when you walk out your door, what you see with your eyes is not everything. When you walk into your workplace, when you walk into your family life, what you see is not everything. Because there's things happening behind the scene, good, evil, light, darkness. Are you with me? Have you ever walked into an atmosphere? You walked in, all of a sudden, you just right away went, because it's just something in that atmosphere was out of alignment, right? The good thing is it happens on the good side of things, too. You've walked into an atmosphere, and you said, ah, there's healing here, right? You've walked in, you said, oh, there's peace in this room. Why? Because there's ministering spirits. There's things taking place in the unseen. Are you with me? So over 300 times it's mentioned in scripture, the function of angels, what the enemy always tries to do, and I'm talking about the devil because I believe in the devil. I believe that he is at work to kill, steal, and destroy. And so his work and his schemes are always very shady and trickery. And so what he tries to do is he tries to downplay things that actually have strength and turn them into something they're not. That's why for many Christians, prayer, which is so incredibly powerful, is boiled down to just something you do before dinner to bless the biscuits. Are you with me today? And biscuits are amazing. They don't need blessing. Amen. Get them biscuits and some butter. America. 
Yeah. And so what the enemy does, though, is he's tried to make angels in our life turn into this cute little cartoon or this little touch by an angel show. Or if you go on your phone right now and look at the angel emoji, it's so cute, right? And we talk about babies, like, she's my little angel. But angels in scripture are mighty warriors. Angels in scripture come with great power. So if the enemy can get us to just think of angels as like a cute little baby blanket, then he's done a great job at disservicing what an angel was really called and equipped to do in our lives. Are you with me? And so again, we're going to talk about angels and we're going to talk about their function. And I'm going to say this a bunch of times. I don't want you to walk out of here putting any faith in angels. And we say, wait a minute, that sounds weird. God gave them to us. We said, no, listen, we cannot turn our worship toward angels. Are you with me? Our worship is always unto God. Jesus' blood who set us free, washed us over. But he does use angels, supernatural beings created by God for God to do God's work. That's what angels are. So you have to think about this. At some point in heaven, the idea was, hey, we're going to create something for the people that I love, and we're going to use them, and they're going to have function, a supernatural being created for God, for God's purposes. Angels, they work on assignment. They have a role. That's something for you to write down. If you know that angels aren't just fluttering about, angels aren't just something that God was like, hey, we should create a few more friends, and it would look good if they just fluttered about. No, angels are sent on assignment by God with supernatural purpose. Anybody with me today? That should be exciting. That should be something that you go, okay, hey, you know what? I, I got another thing working for me and for this thing of the gospel. Amen. They don't just rove aimlessly. They're not just out there. They're always on assignment. Angels have a role. Now, the thing about it is they do work mysteriously. Again, I wish I could get up here and tell you, if you do that and you read this and you do that, then this is how you engage an angel. All of that part of it is mysterious. I don't know how God chooses and assigns and does, but I do know that he does. Amen. You can see in Genesis chapter 18, some of the mystery of this angel thing. Uh, we don't all have to turn there, but you can see at the beginning of scripture in Genesis, the scripture says about Abram. Uh, that some strangers showed up to basically his house, if you will. They're dwelling in tents in their neighborhood. But anyway, they show up. And again, the word of the Lord, he turns to his wife and he says, hey, there's these strangers among us. And he says to his wife, wouldn't it be so awesome? Uh, because you're so good at it, we should make them some biscuits. Read your Bible. She went out, she made biscuits. Because I'm telling you, biscuits. And anyway, so, and then the scripture goes on to say that it was actually angels among them. It's actually angels among them at this time that God sent in their life. Now, it's very mysterious, and what's all the point of it? I don't have time to really try to dig all into it. But Hebrews 13.2 actually backs up that same idea that says this, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. You can show hospitality to an angel. That's amazing, right? So like if our posture is right and we're walking in the fruits of the spirit and we're in tune to what God wants to do in the community, do you know that you can actually partner with the work of an angel here on earth? That's amazing to me. That's a big deal. That's something for me to be excited about, to know that I can connect with what heaven has assigned through an angel here to earth. But it says, hey, you got to be aware. You got to be in tune to that. God is, God is working among us and you just never know how it's going to be. Amen. Three things about the characteristics of angels that I think are really important for us. And I'll try to get all this done in about 10 minutes. 
Um, I'll just say this as you get hot and sweaty. Uh, just remember, today will be another Sunday in another country where more people are killed for worshiping Jesus. Uh, on a weekly basis now. It is a continual, I don't know the exact trend, but I will tell you it's getting close to about half a year. Uh, I know we saw a rise of martyrs and murders uh, back at Easter. You remember the bombings and the things? Well, if you pay attention, uh, you'll see that this is a continual weekly ongoing. So I'm sorry you're sweaty, but you're free to worship. Amen. (laughs) Point number one is this. Angels are worshipers. We see in scripture, Hebrews chapter one, verse six, it says, let all the angels worship him. Speaking of God, we see John the revelator uh, in Revelation chapter five, verse 11. It says, John looks into heaven and he sees uh, basically, if you were to look at a stadium and you see that there's layers and layers and tears and tears, thousands upon thousands of angels, what? Worshiping Jesus. Why does it matter to us that angels worship Like, why would that matter? What does that change for you? Because here's what we need to realize. All of God's creation is called to worship. All of God's creation. You're never going to get to a place in your life, no matter how much you study, no matter how much you go to church, where you say, you know what? I have arrived to the point where I do not have to give worship. If the angels of heaven are called to be worshipers and were created by God, how many know we're called to be worshipers? If the mighty angels, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but who have, who can draw swords, who can, who can, who can battle, who can, these, all of these amazing things that they can do, if they have that much, but yet there's still people who understand that they draw their power, their being, their, from what? From worship. How much more so should we? So we understand angels are worshipers because there's power in worship. Number two, angels are warriors. Uh, we see Daniel I believe it's Daniel chapter 10. We see that he's in this 21-day contention. He's, he's praying and he's interceding. And we see in the scripture, uh, as he's warring, the scripture says that uh, an angel comes to him and says, um, not really given like, a, like an excuse for why he was delayed, but basically shows up and says, hey, uh, essentially on my way to you, I fought this great fight with the prince of Persia. And uh, we don't know exactly. Some scholars believe the prince of Persia may have been the devil himself, that this angel gets into this great war. Some people also believe uh, that the, the demonic or demons have hierarchy to them. And this may have been one of the highest ranking demonic demons that he went into battle with. But the scripture says that, I, that, this, that, that this angel says, I had to go fight this prince of Persia over this city because there was a demonic influence over this specific region. And so I'm going to say to you, uh, it's possible that when darkness covers a city, God sends assigned angels to go in there and break up that darkness. Now, all of you are going to sit in here and start being like, Hollywood, (laughs) you know, and I know that's the easy thing to do. But I'm talking about when you're, specifically driving through town or wherever you may be going or you see something in a city, I'm telling you, you can get that nudge on the inside of you. You don't pray to an angel. I wouldn't even pray to God and and ask him to send an angel. What I would do is I would just start praying for the love of God, the work of God to begin to happen in a city because we see right here at some point, heaven assigned an angel to disrupt the darkness of that city. Are you with me? And if God did it, then he wants to do it now. Amen. So this angel goes to work over the darkness of a city. We see it again in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. The scripture says that David sees an angel with a sword drawn, again, 
over a city. So we know that they're warriors. They battle because this angel is standing over a city, is ascending over a city with a sword drawn. The scripture goes on where heaven actually tells the angel, okay, put your sword back into whatever it is. You sword carriers, what's your... You guys are smart. So it literally tells them, hey, why? Because angels were created to what? To go to war, to be in war. And so I'm here to just tell you, you have supernatural help in the realm of an angel when it comes to darkness in a city, darkness in a home. Amen. So it's possible for angels then to be seen and unseen. As much as I say we wrestle not against flesh and blood and all this kind of stuff in the, in the unseen, we see in this scripture here that there's moments where a battle is happening and an angel becomes seen. Uh, the Los Angeles Dream Center uh, is a ministry, of course, in Los Angeles. Uh, the Barnetts, they lead at Matthew Barnett and his family. And statistically, in some of the really terrible neighborhoods of Los Angeles, um, the crime rates were in so insanely high Uh, And the Dream Center is a facility that's actually in the old hospital in Los Angeles uh, where they've remodeled it. And their whole uh, ministry is to minister to the inner city and the broken families. And they just do an amazing job, and that's not even doing it justice. But um, anyway, the police department, the LAPD, came to the Dream Center and said, listen, is there any way you can help us? We've tried all that we can do to get the crime rates down in these city blocks. Well, like, what can we do? And, excuse me. So they put together this program called Adopt-A-Block. And so what they would do is they said, okay, this is the block. This is the team. And every single week we're going to go in there and we're going to put on kids' ser- uh, children's ministry services. And we're going to give away food and just basically on an everyday basis. Uh, they're in there loving on the specific thing. And uh, we got to be a part of it. We took a trip out there and ministered in all the ways that they ministered. And so they did this Adopt-A-Block thing. And so what's actually amazing, you can literally even Google this because the LAPD gives the Dream Center credit, some of the highest crime rates ever in the history of Los Angeles quickly begin over months, just over short months. Normally, when you're trying to change a city, it takes years and systems and structures, and you're really actually waiting for a generation to sort of move its way out. And in short months, because they came in with the love of God and, and they began to pray, the crime rate. So then the LAPD said, we got to make this a system. And they, they now have it in hundreds of adopt-a-block things. It's a big part of their ministry. Why? Because they came in and drove out darkness. And how many of you believe that angels were probably a part of that as they assigned over the city? I believe that God wants to work that way. And it's not weird and it's not unnatural. It should be something so natural. Amen. So they're worshipers, they're warriors, and then they're also this. With five more minutes, uh, it's this. They're messengers. This is a big part of how God uses angels in Scripture. Often when angels show up, they have a message. So you're sitting there right now saying, can an angel speak to me? And my answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes, an angel can show up and speak to you because angels are messengers. We see in scripture, Gideon's hiding in a cave and an angel shows up to him and says, what? With his words, you're a mighty man of valor, speaks life over him. It changes Gideon's life. How many know if God did it then with an angel, he can do it again now in your life. Amen. Luke chapter one, we see one of the greatest stories ever told. So heaven is saying, okay, God is looking down and saying, how are we going to get the the message of the birth of the Messiah? I'm sending my son, Jesus One of the greatest announcements in all of scripture to mankind came by the way of an angel. An angel shows up to Mary in Luke chapter one and says, hey, by the way, 
You've been favored among women. I'm choosing you to give birth to the Messiah. He uses an angel to be the messenger. God confirms his word through angels. We see in the same exact story. Joseph comes home. Mary says, hey, by the way, an angel showed up. I'm going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give birth to uh, the Son of Man. And Joseph says, wait a minute, you're pregnant, this whole thing. And so he literally, the scripture says, he's getting ready to divorce her, to leave her. Now they were engaged, but he's getting ready, the scripture says, to put her out, to be away from her. But then what happens? God comes down. The, no, what happens? An angel is sent with a message to Joseph that says, don't put her away. Are you with me here today? Amen. It's possible for you to receive a message from an angel. Now, if you're a first-time guest with us, this is literally the first time I've ever preached a message about an angel and this kind of thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm not like apologizing for it. I just want you to know that we're not a church that begins to like really start to coach everybody up. Go find an angel to talk to, right? I, I really want to be clear about where's the primary source that we hear God's voice? His word. God gave us his word and we go to his truth and it's never changing. It's everlasting. We go to his word. But God does use other ways to speak to us. Amen. Another thing that an angel does besides bring us a message is an angel is sent to protect us. One of the biggest questions in this study is people want to know, do I have a guardian angel? Do I have a guardian angel? And to be honest with you, I can't give you the perfect answer. Uh, I, I would say this. This is just my opinion. I don't think you have one angel assigned to you named Fred, right? Like you don't, you don't have Josh Jr., the angel. Like, you know, I don't think you have that. But what we do know is this. Uh, the scripture says in Hebrews, it says that we have a great cloud of witnesses in heaven watching us, cheering for us. So maybe you've heard it be heard before where someone in your family has passed along and they become your guardian angel. I wouldn't say that. I, I would disagree with that statement very respectfully. If, that, if that's what you believe, I'm very respectfully disagreeing with that. But I would say it to you like this, that they become a great cloud of witness for you. And they're up in heaven interceding on your behalf and cheering you on. Are you with me? So do you have a guardian angel? No. Do I believe that you've had angels assigned to you for guardianship? taking over, watching over you? Absolutely. We're going to see it in scripture here. The scripture, uh, it tells us in uh, Psalm 91, 11, it says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways in their hands shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now I'm a Christian and I stub my toe, not against a stone yet maybe, but against a bed. And so we would read this and be like, well, wait a minute. I've I think you got to look bigger than this. It's saying that angels have, uh, they're holding you in their hand. They're going around. They're trying to protect you from stumbling blocks in your life. Are you with me? Maybe, just maybe, and I don't want to get way down this weird road of theology of like everything is an angel, but maybe, just maybe, when you forgot your keys. Are you with me? Stop blaming your wife. Start blaming an angel. I lost my keys again. Who took them? Oh, it's an angel, right? No, okay. <laughs> but maybe, just maybe, that random delay in your life is an angel on your behalf causing you to miss that thing that might have caused you to stub your toe. Are you with me? Maybe that's the angel holding you up. Maybe that random delay or that, that, that thing in your life has, has caused a rearrangement in your life so that he can be protecting you and guarding you from something that could have destroyed you. Amen. I thought about this. Um, you should give thanks 
when you acknowledge a situation in your life that you may have averted uh, injury or something. How many have ever been, and I just, I'm a church kid, so I was trained to always give thanks and and just be aware of, of things. So you, you may be out there like running the weed whacker, right? And then the stone comes flying off the thing and like hits you here instead of here, right in the middle of the eyeball. I think you should take a moment and say, thank you, Lord. It hit me here and not here. And I'm not getting up here saying like the angels are controlling your weed whacker. Amen. <laughs> and I'm also telling you, you don't have permission to be stupid. The winch on my ATV. So the chain cable thing was stuck. My kids brought it in too tight and it was bound up inside the thing. So I did what every good, smart man does. I go on Google. Of course, I get on YouTube, and I find a way to get that thing pulled out of there without having to go get it serviced. So they say, you go get a toe strap, you tie it around a tree, and you hook it to that hook on the front of you, and then you put your ATV in reverse really hard, and you slam it back, and it'll pull out. And I'm sitting there looking across the tree at the metal hook on the other side (laughs) that could potentially break off and come flying at me. And I said, hey, angel... (laughs) I'm going to do something really stupid right now. <laughs> Remember, God gave you charge over thee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's a bad way. But I do think you ought to give thanks for the little moments where you go, that could have been really bad. And I'm not promising you. I'm not guaranteeing you it's an angel. But it ain't going to hurt to give thanks. Put that one on your Twitter. That sounds good, right? <laughs> there is power in the guardianship, the protection of angels. I believe he works this way. We see in scripture that the first martyr uh, that we know in the gospel, Stephen was martyred, but then we see James was martyred. So he, he died, he, he's martyred, he's killed. But then we see coming after that, that Peter is thrown in jail for preaching the gospel and the church kind of wakes up, okay? The church is like, wait a minute, we're starting to see a bad trend of, of these guys being taken out for preaching the gospel. And so Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnestly praying. He didn't say like they tossed up a couple prayers. They put it down in prayer. No, it said that they were passionately. They were engaged. They were in meaningful prayer for him. And a couple of verses down, you see in verse 7, it says, Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and light shone around the jail cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, said, Get up. Quick, he said, Get up. He said, The chains fell off Peter's wrist. And then a few verses later, it said, Peter came to himself and said, Now I without a doubt, now I know without a doubt that the Lord had sent his angel and rescued him from Herod's clutches. Is it possible to argue that the assignment of angels was attached to the prayer of the believer? Could we say that? Could we say that that the the, the place that the church was in at the previous martyrs, but said that they got into a place where they said, hey, we need to pray, we need to seek, we need to, and then an angel was assigned to Peter's life. I can't make that promise. I wasn't there. I don't know the, 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 the call from heaven, but I'm just saying I got a scripture right here that shows prayer then led to the setting free of Peter. Are you with me? Real quickly, I uh, want you to know this. Uh, angels minister to us. It's my last point, one minute, is angels also do this. this. They minister to us. Psalm 34 verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I'm telling you, you can get in a stressful situation, an anxiety situation. You can go into an atmosphere that always gets you. Oh, every time I go there, uh, every time I, and I'm telling you, you can go in there and know, like, no, no, no. God has sent ministry angels to atmospheres. The presence of the Lord is here, and the angels can minister in every situation. Are you with me? 
Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The scripture says that angels are ministers. They minister to you. I believe they minister to atmospheres. We see it in Jesus' life. Jesus was in the wilderness. Scripture says that the devil is tempting him and all this stuff. And the scripture says what about when Jesus leaves, or when the devil leaves, it says the devil left, angels came and did what? Begin to minister even to Jesus. God on earth in human body had angels minister to him. How much more so should we be aware to the fact that angels can come and minister in your atmosphere? Amen. First Kings chapter 18, we see Elijah, he calls down, in, in verse 18, he calls down, you guys remember the prophets of Baal, he calls down fire from heaven. But then on the next chapter, Jezebel says, oh, it's on, I'm coming after you, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah takes off on the run. He's suicidal, sitting under a tree saying, I would rather be dead. We just saw the prophets of Baal miracle. We saw one of the greatest things ever. And now he's sitting in a place a chapter later, suicidal. And what does God do? He sends an angel to him to do what? Minister to him. I just believe God still has the desire to use angels. I believe it's possible for you to be in atmospheres. Woke up in the middle of the night, see an angel. Now, I'm not saying you go to bed praying, God, send an angel to my room. Everybody in this room would be real comfortable if I said, I believe that God speaks through dreams and visions. You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in scripture. But then I say something like, I believe an angel could show up into your atmosphere and bring a message to you. And we all go, come on, guys. If he does it in dreams and visions, I think it's possible for an angel. Are you with me? And what's it going to hurt? Amen. Here's how I think our heart context should walk in this idea of angels and ministering and what they want to do. I don't think we chase them. I don't think we pray to see them. I don't think you go out in your quiet time and start looking in trees for them, right? I think our focus is always on God and his word and his truth. But I'm also just saying at the same time, a lot of times we miss the supernatural of God just because our eyes aren't open to what it could be. So here's how we live in everything we do. Jeremiah 1.12 says this, God watches over his word to perform it. So I would say it like this. When God's word is active in our life, it engages heaven's power. What am I trying to say? You want a ministering angel in your life? You want an angel ministering on your behalf? Do you want to see cities and regions and territories changed? Do the word of God and it will enact heaven into our communities. Do the word of God, be and live the word of God and you'll see heaven's power come into maybe angel, maybe vision, maybe dream. I don't know. That's for God to decide. But if we just do and live and be his word, then God's power will be released in our life. Amen.